Thank you for your help. That's going to be wonderful. And I want you to just pray with me right now that the Lord can use some, some terrible drawing because I'm, I'm no artist now. My grandmother and my mother are uh, wonderful artists, and, uh, but I'm, I'm terrible. But I just, I'm just going to take about 10 minutes of your time, maybe 15 at the very most. And so uh, the Lord's going to do something special here tonight. But I want us to just pray that whatever is said and whatever is done in this place tonight will be in the perfect will of God and we'll understand it all. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. You're an awesome God. You're an on-time God. You're a prayer-answering God. Come on, help me pray. You're a prayer-answering God. You're a way-making God. Open up our eyes and open our hearts. Let us hear and understand and respond to what your Spirit is saying to us. There will be a spoken witness in this place tonight. We believe that. We trust it. We expect it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Kelsey. Thank you, thank you. Can everybody see that board? You may be seated. I'm going to take just a few moments. This is going to be the, uh, the most different kind of service than we've ever had here. Uh, but different doesn't matter as long as it's effective. And so uh, I, just want you to, uh, I just want you to go along with me. I want to share some, some things with you. Now, right here is the earth, all right? Everybody see that? That's earth. You can't see that? All right, if I'm going to move, you're going to be able to see it. Y'all see the earth? All right, do I need a bigger marker? All right, I need a darker one. I may not have one. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. All right. Let's see here. All right, we're gonna get this right. There's no, there's no, there's no struggles here. Oh, y'all don't worry. If I'm not, y'all ought not be. Watch this. Let's see, does this get better? And you know what? I've already messed up because that's not the earth. That's the world. That's the world. Now I want to show you this. This is the church. That's you and I. Everybody see that? From here to here is an entire lifetime away. Y'all see that? That's a bridge. That's a bridge. That's from the world to the church. That is 2021. We see that? Y'all see that all right? The point is, it's a long ways from being in the middle of this old world to being in the middle of the church. It's almost as far as it can be, and it is further than it's ever been. It's going to be easy. It's going to be quick. In 1943, I want to show you something. In 1943, we think of that as a long time. And 
those of you that were around in 43, let us know. It hadn't really been that long, has it? Hadn't been long. There you go. Somebody knows exactly, because that's when they were born. Here's the church in 1943. Why did I pick 1943? Because there was a drastic change in 1943 when the Second World War change started. When we got involved heavily. And all of our men left and our women started taking men's jobs. They started taking over what they called speakeasies. They started having places to drink. Uh, alcohol, a lot of things changed. Uh, alternate lifestyles were introduced uh, finally at a, a percentage that could be counted in the United States of America. In 1943, a lot of things happened. But I'll tell you what, the world was right here in 1943. It's a fact. If you go look at pictures of 1943 and look at pictures of the world, and look at pictures of the church, you will not see any difference. You won't see it. You won't see it. There's a reason. Now, I'm not fixing to get into all of that, but all of this leads to something, and here's what it leads to. Today, today, 7% of 24-year-old adults say they are connected to any type of religion. 7%. That number was 87% in 1943. In 78 years, where will we be in 10 more years? So used to, you could just pray a little prayer of repentance and have a little baptism and take a little walk and be in the church. It's a fact. Virtually nothing had to change. Look at this. I'm fixing to prove this to you. The, the, the greatest things that we battle, church membership was 73%. Today it's 47%. You know what that means? That means that the world that used to be so close to the church is way over here. Let me tell you something. The world ain't going to come back. The world ain't coming back. So how are these people going to be saved if they're not coming back this direction? Do we be like them? Do we act like them? Talk like them? Walk like them? No. It, it, it's not going to happen that way. But I'm also going to tell you this. With the world being here and the church over here, they don't just show up now and take one step and they're in the church. There's a whole lot of steps. And I heard a man tell me one time, I'm, I'm almost done because we're fixing to do something different, but I heard a man tell me one time, I don't think we're serving the same God in 2020 as I was in whatever year he told me. And I said, oh yeah, we're serving the same God. He said, no, because back then, and I said, well, 
Back then, y'all try to fact check me later. I appreciate that. Uh, back then, watch this. Back then, divorce rate was 22%. Today, it's 51%. Today, 21 million Americans are addicted to a street drug or alcohol. 21 million, one of every six people in the United States have an addiction. You know what that's done? It's caused these miles to get longer and longer and longer and longer and longer. And it's, got, and it's causing the church to need arms that are longer and longer and longer and longer and longer. And I don't believe we've failed. Failed is a past tense word. But I believe we're failing. As a church to stretch out this long, 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 long way to reach all these people that are addicts. Listen to this. I read this. Today, in 2021, by the age of 12, 43 million. By the age of 12, 43 million Americans have tried marijuana. Can I tell you? That used to, you wouldn't even be able to see the difference in the church and the world on that percentage. Wouldn't have been a difference. You wouldn't have been able to find that. 60% of all 16-year-olds admit, this is admit to having been intoxicated under the, at 16 years old under the influence of alcohol. In 1943, that was about 4%. Okay, here's the point. And I'm fixing I'm fixing to sit down. We're fixing to do we're fixing to do something. We're fixing to do something. Here's the church. Systematically the enemy has drugged the world to right here. And the world's not just going to wake up in the morning and decide to make that long journey over to the church. We got to figure out how to reach them. We've got to be bridge builders that are not afraid and that understand the main thing is this. We have got to learn to get religion out of the way. And let people grow in baby steps. I, I, I think, I don't think the biggest divide here is abuse and divorce we have 2.2 million new people incarcerated in the United States every year. We lead the world in incarceration. 2.2 million people. Some 6% of our population will go to prison in 2021. Those, those, those things 
Those are huge. Those are, those are monumental things. People get a divorce. People have an addiction. People go through some great big problem. There's all kinds of stuff. And, and everywhere you look and everywhere, you're going to find a little bit of different percentages. And I didn't take the highest on all of them. But I'm going to tell you something. The world is looking for hope. But if the church expects the world to be the church in one visit, we're the ones mistaken. We can't expect them to walk in and buy in. I do believe, if I, I'd love to have the percentages of the first time people that come to church that are baptized after they repent, they're baptized and they're filled with the Spirit and they never go back to any sin that they walked away from. I would, I would venture to say if I was a gambler, I would bet you it would be .000 something. Because it's one thing to pray through. It's one thing to receive the Holy Ghost. It's one thing to be baptized in Jesus' name. It's another thing to do a 180-degree turnaround, and it's not impossible, and it happens. It happens. That turns you around. But it's still a process to get away from your old life. And so we're going to do something. We've had some people meeting on Tuesday nights, and we are, we are getting together a legitimate, uh, not, not just some kind of meeting and hope some people show up, but we're getting a deal together where people are really going to meet, and we're going we're gonna to help these people take baby steps. Baby steps. I've always said this, and I'm done. If an atheist says there is a God, well, guess what? Guess what Life Point Church is going to do? Here he is. He takes that little baby step. That's where the church ought to start rejoicing. Amen. Somebody said, "Well, they're not they're not in the church yet. They they've still got problems. They're, they're still they're still battling a lying tongue. They still got addictions. They're, they're still messing around on their spouses." But wait a minute. We got to rejoice in this. And then here's what's going to happen. Once we can rejoice in this, then when they conquer that situation at home, we're going to rejoice in that. And they're going to take baby steps and all the way, no matter who they are, where they come from, what they look like, how much money they got, what their name is, when it's all over, we would have helped them build a bridge from the world to the church instead of expecting miracles. We expect miracles every service. But we got to understand, people don't always follow through. I'm going to do something that I've never done. I'm fixing to invite to this platform somebody that's not a preacher. Don't look like a preacher. Ain't going to act like a preacher. Don't sound like a preacher. But has added every one of these steps. And today is going to help us understand 
little steps. Because Life Point Church is fixing to be full of people that don't look like you, act like you, smell like you, walk like you, or talk like you. And what are we going to do? We're going to turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones. All right? Will you help me do that? I've already been longer than I want to be. I'm done. Somebody come help me. Come help me with the, come help me with the light stuff. And let's move the pulpit back. And I say this because this is my vision. This is, this, is, this is my vision. This is my pastoral vision for this church is that we don't come in. I always want to see babies in the church. I always want to see people that may or may not be what we think they ought to be. That's not our business. Our business is to rejoice in every baby step. Do you agree with that? Amen. Amen. And y'all are all going, what are we doing next? So I'm going to tell you, come on, brother. Y'all just get ready. We're going to talk about baby steps. Hello, everybody. How y'all doing? I'm doing well. Take a minute and honor Pastor. I thank you. This is humbling. I want to also honor uh, Bishop. I thank you for making the way. You know, you can, you can hear something a musician says, somebody that you follow. You can hear something that they say. You can know a little bit about them. You can know some of their music. That's one thing. But to know that person, know their character, know the way that they deal with things, their nature, that's a whole nother thing. I was born into addiction. I was raised by the penal system. I was not raised by my dad or my mom. I was raised by the streets and by Gladiator Farms right here in, in Texas in the 90s. Not this new generation stuff. <clears throat> That's not easy for me to admit in a church, that's hard. Some things had to come to pass. I had to walk down that road. And now I understand why. My mother was a, an addict. I was born withdrawing from opioids she was also an alcoholic. I was born with fetal alcohol syndrome. My dad was a Marine making Marines at Paris Island. They flew him to the base my mother stayed at via helicopter. Back then they had Huey still. 
he was so embarrassed when they told him the condition that I was born in. They kicked my mother off the base. When they saw the way I was born, they didn't expect me to live. But God had a plan. I just want the spirit to take over. Have your way, Lord. First Samuel, you know the one, 16.7. Hmm? Yeah. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or the height of his stature. Because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man sees. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So like, when I first came to church, my wife brought me to church. She kept nagging me and she kept nagging me. And I'm like, I'm working in the plants, you know, in the refineries in South Louisiana. And uh, I'm like, man, I don't know, you know. Uh, I mean, I feel like I'm disrespecting God if he exists, you know. I was not raised in a, a home of believers. Like I said, I was not raised at home at all. I finally went. I was scared to death. I'm talking about scared. All I knew about Pentecost, well, I thought I knew, was they did something with snakes or something. <laughs> and I said, hey, look, let me tell you something. Ghosts and snakes, hey, uh-uh, this guy don't do them. This guy don't do them, man. I'm telling you, I talk in a high-pitched tone and run. I can do anything from firearms to whatever but snakes and ghosts I don't do so I get in there and I'm like inching my way and she's trying to pull me and they're having a, a showdown I mean it was a it was action-packed that night I remember it like it was yesterday and everybody seemed to stop and turn and look because Mandy had been telling them you know I, I'm you know my, I'm trying to get my husband in and he just got out you know prison and he's never been to a Pentecostal church and I'm like oh Lord I felt so much pressure I was and plus I was scared oh, how am I going to survive this I bet the Lord was just going yeah you about to find out <laughs> so I went from knowing nothing about God or relationship straight into religion, straight into bondage. And because I didn't look right, dress right, spit white, I didn't last long. I ran back to what I thought I knew what love was.
I didn't didn't fit in. And I know now today, I don't need to feel like I need to fit in for me to go anywhere. This rejected feeling caused a vacuum, a cyclic cycle inside of me, right? So naturally, you know, the flesh is strong at this point. I start filling it with all the wrong things. Scriptures I wasn't living by, right? Try to get into some dockers, pleated pants, some shiny. I looked ridiculous. I mean, I looked like a bandito gone Harvard. Okay? And I felt every bit of it. And then my mentor, who introduced me to faith-based recovery, faith-based, not 12 steps and anything can be your higher power. There's a name. And his name is... Jesus. So naturally, I started feeling it with all the wrong things, right? I'm like, okay, scripture, I can know all these cool scriptures and sound like them and start doing the walk like they do and start, you know. Nah, no, that's not going to get it. My sponsor, he comes up to me, he's, man, there's something, uh-uh, nah, man. And he is about 260 pounds of, I don't want to get caught in the alleyway with that cat. And looks like it today. Okay? And when I met him, I knew, Mandy introduced me to him. His name's Glenn Wheeler from De Quincey, Louisiana. And I started to get, like, I belong, you know? This is, this is my people. This is, he's like me. He's fully tatted. He's in and out of trouble all his life. Never really belonged anywhere. Misfit. Social misfit. I still go through that same, I don't know, that feeling, I guess. I don't know how to discernment now, but I know I don't belong in the world anymore. I'm set apart. It's not like I don't fit in. It's like I shouldn't fit in and I best get used to it. It's time to swim. Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, thou will not despise. Hmm? Okay, so I had to get to the end of myself and my religious ways. No matter what I did, I just, what, I can't, I, I realized I cannot earn brownie points from God. I can't, he's not going to, he has no respect of persons. I had to come to that understanding. I had to get that revelation. How did I do that? I had to have somebody hold me accountable, say, hey, brother, you look ridiculous. 
What are you doing to yourself? You belong with a chain wallet hanging out with us, going to celebrate recovery and going to church with us. And you need to be doing X, Y, and Z, working these steps, okay? And I was like, how do I do that? He said, get genuine real fast. Come on. It's time to get authentic. The world is full of plastic cutouts. I remember this. He said, there is no cookie-cutter Christianity. There's no mold. We have to be led by the Spirit. God don't just live in the Bible. And I had to get a hold of that. And I struggled with that. I relapsed. And I relapsed again. Until I'd come to the end of myself. I had to. He had to break me to make me. Right? So it's like, it's like Pastor Wayne Nealon said, Aaron, have you ever seen New York City when they build a skyscraper? I said, no, sir. Never been to New York. He said, well, it's ugly. They shut down about 10 square blocks, and they dig about 600 feet in the ground, and they start pouring the heaviest, most dense concrete money can buy. And that's the foundation. And it's nasty and it's ugly. It gets bad and it takes a while. And buddy, recovery, when I started working an honest program, it was time to get real. It was time to start taking responsibility for the things I did in my past, the womanizing, okay, the running around, leaving my son behind, in and out of the world. What's it going to be? You want the world? You want the things of the world? Okay. Or this. And so finally, I got to that point. And it was 2017. And I realized everything I had was just religion at that point. And I fell on my face. And I got real simple with it. And I said, Lord, if you really do exist, now that we're being honest, is there any way you could forgive me? I have put my faith in my own actions by way of religion as if I could save myself. Like I'm built like that or something. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look at me. I'm like 170 pounds of that guy needs some McDonald's. You know, I'm not built for that. And I realized it compared to him. I'm nothing. And that's the only thing I should be comparing myself to. Not everybody around me. Okay. How did how did it work though? How did it work? How, what was the first baby step? Okay, let me let me kind of explain it like this. For Aaron, and I can't put it on anybody else. Like I said, there's no cookie cutter. For Aaron, it started with godly sorrow. I had to understand. I had to be led by my sponsor to understand the error of my ways. He had to coach me into that. And finally, when I said, Lord, is there any way you could forgive me? I can't save myself. You have to be Lord of every area of my life or none at all. 
And that's when it just started happening. It was one thing after another. And buddy, he still ain't done with me. Without him, there's no hope. He is the only hope. Recovery isn't just about drugs and alcohol. Recovery is about escaping life's pitfalls by way of Jesus. Healing, repentance, understanding, truth, grace. You don't want to be a one-winged dove like Pat Benatar sings about. You got to have truth and grace. You got to have that equal balance as the pendulum swings. Because I fell straight into truth. I was just law, you know. I, I kind of felt sad, kind of like the sad, you sees. I tried. Anyway, that was ridiculous. It took another believer to teach me and lead me to the way, the truth, and the life. To a true relationship with him. Psalms 51, 13. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. And sinners, me, shall be converted unto thee. I love Psalms 51. I could go on and on. There is not a cookie-cutter Christianity, folks. What worked for you may or may not work for the next person. We need the Holy Ghost. We need him. We have to die of self. We have to die of self and keep him down. Pick up our cross and cast our crown at his feet. If I want to be the greatest, guess what he said? You got to be the least. And it's not even about that. It's about the heart disease that I have needing my cardiologist, the Lord Jesus, who sends me to x-rays, the Holy Spirit, who puts me through what? The baptism of fire, John, right? And he purifies. He burns it out. He shows it to you. He'll put you in it. He, he's doing it to me almost every day since I've been here, since I come to Terrell. At work, I have to learn how to love people who are extremely rude. And it's working. It's actually working. I'm starting to understand that I don't know what I thought I knew ever. Like I need him from moment to moment. What worked a little while ago may not work for this little thing coming up here. I need him in a relationship with him, a genuine relationship. Lord, save me from myself. I could put the devil out of a day job. I'm my own worst enemy, Lord, and without you, I am done. And that's how it goes. I do not have it all together. I have not arrived. 
I have to rely on my creator to keep it together for me. And I can tell whenever I quit relying on that because all of a sudden we try to put our hands back on the steering wheel. And then we wonder why we're about to crash. Well, dude, you just put your hands back on the steering wheel. But the sticker on the back of the bumper says, Jesus is my co-pilot. That's even wrong. Like he's the pilot. Like for real. Come on now. I'm telling you. I'm going to bind if I, boy. Hey, hey, he, he sticks me out too. You'll know. Aaron will start struggling. And it's like, Aaron, what, what's going on? You know, what's that look? And um, my sponsor knows that look. Hey, he said, you need to let go. Because, I mean, we go, we go through life. It happens fast. And we get through this one hurdle. And then we get to the next one, and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah I can do it. I can do it. But we forgot we had to pray through before we got to that other one. Yeah. And then we wonder why we're like, oh, whoa. I reverence the Lord, the keeper of my soul. I need his grace because I make mistakes every day. Without him and his forgiveness, there is no hope. What attracted me to keep coming was very patient people. Very patient. People that loved me through some very ugly times. I mean, I had to, I had to get real. And I had to have that support group there. And it wasn't easy. But they, they were very patient. I thank God for their walk. Just like I thank God for his walk and Bishop's walk. Holy Ghost, don't lie to me. So, all in all, I think the baby steps, I think that's an important thing to understand that there are certain things that we have to go through. We need healing. We need accountability. Us as addicts, we need somebody that we confess some triggers, we go th I go through a day and there's things that, that trigger me. I need to talk about it. Yes, I confess it to God. But if God is there when two or three or more are gathered, right? So we need support groups. We need groups. We need phases. There's different levels. There's a beginning stage, you know? Guy comes in, he's obviously detoxing still, and nobody moves out of the way because they don't like the way he's, they didn't do that to me. They sat right next to me. They put their arms around me. They prayed for me. When I called them up and they, you know, they was like, Aaron, it's going to be okay. You're on the right path. It just doesn't look that way. It just doesn't feel that way. 
It took spirit-led people. Very patient. Love. Love is patient. Love is very patient. And I thank y'all for y'all's time. That's good. There may be somebody in the room that says, what was the purpose in that? But if you're any more than a quarter inch deep and a half mile wide, you'd understand that somebody come to this pulpit that hadn't been in the church all their life, that, doesn't, that it hadn't been from here you know, they, they weren't born right. Some of us have been so blessed, all we've ever known is this. And I just want us to understand and get ready and get prepared because there's going to be a whole lot more of those people that we're going to have to put our arm around. I know what's happening right now. I already know it. He didn't get back to his seat, and the devil was already saying, you idiot. But I'm going to tell you something. Living for God, Sister Beckham, I'm, we're, we're about done here. Living for God. If you consider this a wasted service, I promise you, you already need the altar. Live, living for God at any degree is one step at a time. Now, he talked about sponsors. Some folks don't even know what he meant by a sponsor. That's somebody he's accountable to into the church, somebody that helped to guide him and kept a firm grip of, of uh, you know, a continuous contact with him. That was somebody that could look at him and say, Aaron, I can tell by that look in your eyes, you're fixing to drop the ball, boy. Pull it together. And as spirit-filled people, we've got, we've got to have such a discernment in our heart. There will be people walk in, and their only goal is to get in your wallet. They're out there. And I give as unto the Lord. A lot of times I recognize it. I know it as soon as I look them in the eyes. The Lord will just say, hey, you already know that. What do I do? I still give. Because that next one, I've got to get myself ready for the one that's real. The church, the altar workers have got to be ready for the ones that's real, that really won't change. I don't care how good you can preach. I don't care how good you can teach, how good you can quote the scripture, how well you can sing. If you've got religion with no relationship, you are lost. Living for God is not being something. Living for God is relationship. He, maybe the best line you said in the whole deal, the thing that just clicked in my mind and reminded me one more time is, you may know their music, 
That don't mean you know them. You may know about God. You may be able to quote God's word. You may be able to come to church. You may be able to hand clap with everybody else. You may dance around the front. But if you go home full of that same old lying spirit you came with, that same bitterness and hatred and wishing bad on everybody but you, you need a sponsor. I need a sponsor. I had Brother Aaron come up here. He didn't ask. He didn't mention it. I think it blew his mind. I said, man, I want you to just come up and just tell a little about you. Did you hear what he said? He was born an alcoholic. He was born addicted to opioids. What do we do with that? We embrace that and we love that and we say you're not second class you're not second rate there'll always be a place for you in this church there'll always be a pew for you there may someday be a choir chair for you or a drum cage for you or a praise and worship spot for you or a guitar for you See, we've talked about outreach so much. I wanted to bring some outreach to stand before you. Four years ago, he couldn't have stood here and said any of that if 2017 is what he said. But today, he's filled with the Holy Ghost, been baptized in Jesus' name, still got work to do, but look where he used to be and where he's at today. That is a miracle. You know why? Because somebody at some church said, it's a long way from here to there, but one step at a time, we're going to get you here. They may have to come to the altar over and over and over and over again. Right now, there are some people that have just walked away from the Lord and just failed God and themselves and their families miserably that I love, I love. Am I mad? I'm mad at the devil. I'm mad at their choices. I'm mad at their decisions. But if they walked in that back door right now, I had a dream. I'm closing with this right here. I'm done with this right here. If y'all got a song prepared, y'all can get ready. But I had a dream last night. I woke up. I went back to sleep and it picked right up again. I woke up again and it picked right up. I think the, the excitement of what was going on is what woke me up. In the dream, the Lord was patting me on the back. And he said, you just keep on. And I said, but what is the church people going to think? And the Lord showed me a building full of people scarred, deep 
Some were wounded to the bone. They'd been abused as children. They'd been in and out of prison. They had tattoos from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. They had addiction written all over their face. The building was full, packed out, and those people were starving for the love of God. And it hit me all of a sudden, something said, casting pearl before the swine and all of a sudden there was a rebuke from heaven that said oh no I created them I made them I love them they're mine you preach them the truth I will do the rest but what about them sanctified people what about them they ought to be helping you I want to just I just want to tell you I just want you to know we've had plans we've had dreams we've had desires we've had want to's but the Lord's going to lead us to a place very shortly of have to I want you to do something I had the opportunity to pray with somebody this, this week this week it's just made a lot of poor choices in their life. Good, good-hearted, good, good-hearted, easy to love, easy going. And now they need the Lord, and it was so easy for me to pray for that person because I don't care where they've been. I don't care what they've done. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what kind of mess they've made out of their life. I'm not their judge. It's just my job, Brother Broadus, to just be here and love them and embrace them. I want you to do something. I want, I want you to do something. I want you to win the lawyer. I want you to win the doctor. I want you to win the judge and the politician and, 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 and the business owner. I want you to do that. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Do it. They've got a soul too. But there's a, there's a world of people that are lost and undone that their only answer is in a bottle. Their only answer is in a needle. And they don't have the support that you have. We don't even understand their world. We need to bring that drunk to church. We need to bring that addict to church. The first Sunday they get out of prison, we need to have them at church. I'm going to remind you one more time and I close with this. The Lord gave me the word when we moved to Terrell over 10 years ago to become the pastor of this church. If we would seek the people, seek, that was his word that he gave to me, seek the people that the other churches don't even want. 
Folks, that's sad. That's a picture of religion. If we got to clean them up, God, just leave them out there. If we got to help them through something, just leave them out there. That's, a, that's religion. But relationship says... He said, if you seek the ones that nobody else wants, I'll send the ones everybody's trying to get. Some point in June or July, we're going to have a block party here. We're going to have a block party. The church now owns a snow cone machine, a cotton candy machine, and a popcorn machine. We got a grill. We can do hot dogs. We settled on a, on a playground today. It, it should be here in the next six to eight days. It's a nice one. You bought a nice one. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. We ought to have more to offer. Because there's a single mom somewhere that gave birth that's embarrassed. I want that child to feel so comfortable on these premises. They've been rejected at school. They've been rejected by their teacher. They've been rejected by the world. Who's going to love them? The body of Christ is going to love them. If you agree with that, I want you to just stand. I'm going to tell you something. Life Point Church, our doors are open. There may be some people come here that really somebody needs to keep an eye on. It's true. It's a fact. You, the devil will always send something. He's good at that. So it may have to be that way. I mean, it's like uh, you, you, don't, you don't get a guy that's known to steal all the time to take up the offering. You use common sense until he's ready. Come on. But at the end of the day, their sin is no worse than my sin. The Bible said sin will never enter there. The Bible said you can commit a sin in your heart. So I can be all cleaned up. I can look right. I can look like I belong at Harvard and be just as lost. We need to always remember that. Because the Bible said, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. I, I, wish, I, wish, this, I wish this church on this beautiful, one of the most beautiful days I've seen in a long, long time, on this beautiful May evening before we leave. Last week we had almost 20 people out there in the parking lot at Academy. We ate together. We visited. It's just such a good time. It's a great time. We're going to do it again here in a little while. But here's what I wish we'd do. First of all, I wish the entire church would repent. I wish we'd repent of ever passing judgment on our neighbor, on our brother on a friend 
And then I wish we'd begin to ask the Lord to give us an opportunity to get that person in his presence. So we can show them the love of the Lord. Do we have five minutes to give? I'm going to tell you something. Brother Lauren Sneed, Brother John Gum, Brother Aaron Thompson, Brother Tony, Brother Sister Becky. I messed around and started now. I can't remember everybody. They've been meeting together and they don't know this yet, but I'm going to split them up. I'm going to split them up. And we're going to have some that take care of people that are coming in first steps. And then once they get around a few church folks and they're not scared to death and they know we're not handling snakes and and then we got a, a second steps program I already know who they are and then brother Rodney Fuller came to me the other day and he said pastor I've had a passion for a while I got a burden to teach that new converts class we've already got his material so they're going to come in and realize who we are and that we're not going to judge them and then they're going to go to step two and then they're going to go to new converts class and after they get rooted then they're going to start producing fruit then they're going to join the choir and then you're going to wonder who is this why don't we just lift our hands together y'all sing just lift our hands together all over this building because we're going to be a church that wins souls of every type, shape, size, color, religious background, financial history. We don't care who they are. Their social standing. They belong in the kingdom. As I sing, I wish we'd just, just give the Lord the next five minutes ask the Lord to lead you to somebody or lead somebody to you in Jesus name baby steps one little step at a time God can do it but if he doesn't do it all in a night we'll accept the baby steps